1: Hello and welcome to Short Tales, a series of short stories written and read by me, Damien Robb. We'll get to this episode's story shortly, but first, I want you to take a moment and swallow. Good. Now, take a big breath in through your nose. Let it out and recognise, hopefully, just how good you feel, how healthy. Now, take yourself back to the last time you were sick When swallowing was a torture, when attempting to breathe through your nose achieved nothing, when from top to tail you felt rough and weary and miserable. Now, imagine you felt that way because you'd listened to an infected song that was now trapped within your body. Okay, you ready? Good. This is the first part of Infected in E Minor. long have you felt like this? The doctor asks. Her face is towards the computer screen as she types all I've told her into the appropriate cells of the online form. Her ponytail bounces in time with her fingers and I think about how her glasses suit her, as does the roundness of her face. She's acting as though what I've just told her isn't crazy, causing my pre-prepared speech about how I haven't lost my mind to go unsaid. I swallow, my throat sore, Since I heard the song, I say, two days ago. Okay, she says. Her cute but stubby fingers add this new detail to the form. Typing finished, she turns to me. Her stare is confident and warm, and it makes me aware of my own self-consciousness, causing me to swallow again. I regret this as a stab of pain flares at the back of my throat, and a sickly taste enters my mouth. Well, Marujula, you're definitely sick, she says. Although having a song as the Vector is certainly a new one to me. She places an elbow on the back of the chair and rests her index finger against her temple, leaning on it as if the small finger is all that's holding up her brainy head. Despite her age, at a guess somewhere bordering 30, I notice that her hands are wrinkled and creased, as though they've been left too long in the bath. Still, they look soft, and I wonder how they'd feel held against my face. I imagine them cooling the fever this sickness has left me with. Me too. I tell her with a small smile. She thinks. Now, when you say it's like the music is in your skin, what do you mean? I pause, still aware of the sickly taste in my mouth. I fish my hand into my handbag until I find the throat lozenges that have been floating around inside it, forgotten for well over six months. I pop one through its foil cover and pass my lips. Its eucalyptus flavour starts to dissolve over my tongue, not quite ridding me of the sour taste of my illness but masking enough that I can stop focusing on it. It's... I pause, thinking about how to describe it. It's like I can feel the notes in my body, specifically my skin, like the song somehow still playing inside me, just below the surface. Her expressive face looks as though she wants to understand, but can't. So I blush and try again. Uh, You know how when you see a speaker reverberate... It's like that, but all over me. As I speak, the notes begin to strike out, causing ripples of waveforms to wriggle through me. The bass notes start out near my feet. They're hot and echo all the way up to the hairs of my head, causing me to flush. Then the treble beats come in, pulsing out of my joints and under my neck, and I'm washed in an icy cold. The doctor sees me shiver. Is it playing now? she asks, and I can see she's trying to listen for a sound she won't be able to hear. I nod as the music continues through me, rebounding from the outside in as I alternate between hot and cold. My eyes are closed, and I know I'm giving off embarrassing little spasms as the rhythm persists. The doctor watches in silence, and by the time the last note of the song crashes against the back of my eyes, I'm covered in a film of sweat. The throat lozenge has now lost the battle to rid my throat of the illness's acidic acidity. She lets me catch my breath, adjusts her glasses, and asks... So, it doesn't play all the time, then. I shake my head no and swallow, and wish I hadn't. How often do you hear it, or feel it, or however it works? Uh, At the moment, about three or four times a day? Interesting. Well, I can treat the symptoms, give you some basic pain medication, and see if we can get that fever and inflammation down. I'll also schedule in for an appointment a week from now, and we can check how you're progressing then. She prints off a prescription and hands it to me with a small smile. What about the music? I ask. That's not really my field, she says, then clicks her fingers in a cartoonish way that I find utterly adorable as an idea comes to her. Although, maybe I can refer you to a specialist. She turns and scribbles a number from her phone onto a piece of paper and hands it to me. I look at the note and see a name written above the number. Sebastian. He's a friend of mine, she tells me. A musician. A musician. I knock on the heavy steel door of the studio and feel it reverberate in a way not dissimilar to when the music plays I wait for a reply from the other side It's slow in coming, and I stand in awkward silence, feeling exposed as though someone's watching, although I know that's unlikely The wind pushes against me as I look around the open expanse of concrete It's barren, the only life present are the weeds willfully pushing themselves up through the cracks, and me The wind brings the smell of seawater, just out of view, although I can see the large freight containers on the docks packed on top of each other like the building blocks of a giant toddler. I look back to the door and wonder if I should try knocking louder, or use the lack of response as an excuse to turn around and go home. I bite down my anxiety and raise my fist just as the heavy door is wheeled rapidly to the side. I pull my arm back, managing to stop it from coming down hard on the chest of the bear that's now standing in the doorway. I look up into the bear's face and see that it's actually just a very large and very hirsute man. His size is intimidating, but he smiles down at me in a disarming way. The combination produces a titter at the back of my throat that I refuse to let out. You must be the girl with the song stuck in her head, he says in a voice as large as his body. I nod, shyly. I'm Arudula, I say. Sebastian? That's me. He all but bellows, and I notice a Scandinavian lilt to his speech come in, come in, you found the place, okay? I enter what on the outside looks like a warehouse and find that the inside is not what I expected. It's nice, really nice. It feels a bit like entering Narnia. One second I'm standing on a dreary and forgotten patch of concrete on the outskirts of town, then with a single step I'm inside a recording studio that looks like it belongs in the centre of a much trendier city, like London or San Francisco. The walls are lined with wood panelling that makes me think of a German drinking hall. The floors are carpeted, and the large space is broken up with glass partitions. There are instruments of every kind and variety littered everywhere. It's beautiful. I did. It wasn't hard. I think it's the only building within 20 kilometres, I say. Then worry, it may have sounded like I was insulting his sanctuary. To my relief, Sebastian chuckles. (laughs) That's true. We like to make a lot of noise here, and it helps if you don't have neighbours. Let me show you around. He leads me through. As he points out the various rooms, the rehearsal space, the live room, the control room, the claustrophobic-looking isolation booths, I find my eyes drawn towards his ponytail. There's something about the way the thick ribbon of hair swings as he walks, back and forth, back and forth, like a metronome. I feel the music swell inside of me and a knot of dread tightens my stomach. It begins to play, and just before I am suffused with its unnatural heat, I notice the songs keeping time with the swing of the ponytail. I bend over, staggered by the music's intensity, and an army of sweat storms my forehead. Sebastian says something, but I can't make out his words. I feel his arms around me, and through the clamour of the beats, I perceive that he has placed me in a chair. Beyond that, my senses don't return until the song plays out. There's just the music. I look up into Sebastian's worried face, out of breath, and want to run for shame. That was really something, he tells me, and I can feel the concern behind his smile. I'm sorry. I start to stand, but he gently pushes me back into the seat. You don't need to apologise. Just rest for a minute. Anna's going to get you some water. From behind him, a woman approaches. She's short with a neat bob of golden hair. She hands me a glass and touches my shoulder. Here you go, sweetheart. You okay? She asks. She gives me a motherly smile, one that must make strangers feel like old friends. I nod and take a sip from the glass. The water burns my inflamed throat, but as I feel it pass down to my stomach, my body begins to cool. Hannah is my wife and business partner. Hannah, this is Baruchula, the girl with a song stuck inside of her, Sebastian announces. So I saw, Hannah said, her eyes maintaining contact with my own. Although from the looks of it, it wants to get out. Do you think you feel well enough for some questions? I nod again and think about what a terrible first impression I've just made. Great, Hannah says. Should we move somewhere a little more comfortable? I realise then that I'm sitting on a piano stool. I turn and look at the sleek black giant that stretches out behind me. It's a Steinway Spirio Model B Grand Piano. It is gorgeous and intimidating. I'm enthralled as I follow its perfect curves. Do you play? Sebastian asks. Yes, I tell him. Well, feel free, he says and his large hand reaches past me to open the fallboard. My eyes feast on the sight of the flawless keys, and I feel the song thrum under my skin. For a moment, I panic, thinking it's about to start its performance again. But it doesn't. It's just letting me know it's there. I'm not brave enough to let my fingers touch the small, solid planks of ebony and ivory, but I can't resist the feel of the piano altogether, not with the song inside of me. I run my fingers across the key bed. The spruce is smooth and cool beneath my fingertips. The song spikes again and I pull my hand away. Somewhere more comfortable sounds nice, I tell Hannah, who's been watching me intently. She nods an understanding she couldn't possibly feel, and we move into the small break room that adjoins the kitchen. The song retreats, for the moment. There's a mug of tea in my hands, one Hannah insisted on giving me, and for which I'm grateful. It's lemon and ginger, which is supposed to be good for a sore throat. Okay, Sebastian says tell us about the song. He and Hannah sit across a small round table from me, and I'm trying not to think about how this feels like a job interview. The last time I went to one of those, my throat got so dry that I couldn't speak. I didn't get the job. I take a deep breath, then repeat the words I told the doctor yesterday. I heard it last Sunday, at a street festival in the CBD. My cousin, Anika, was cooking for one of the stalls there. The festival was all multicultural, and she runs an Indian restaurant. I was watching this Brazilian drumming troupe perform on the main stage when the song started. I hardly noticed it at first, except to think it was weird that they would schedule two music performances at the same time. But then I found myself unable to ignore it. The notes were... Strange. Haunting. Each seemed singular, like they weren't even part of the same song, and they all kind of wobbled. I remember thinking they sounded as if they were afraid of being heard. I look up quickly from my tea for some kind of reaction, but they remain silent. I continue. I tried to focus on the drummers, but the song kept demanding my attention. I turned to see where the sound was coming from, but the crowd was too dense. I felt myself getting rattled and decided I needed to leave. I pushed past people in an attempt to get away from the sound, then realised I was somehow moving towards it. I went back the other way, but the same thing happened. The song kept getting louder. I feel emotion well in my chest and behind my eyes, and I tell myself my story is weird enough already that I'm not allowed to start crying. People were starting to get annoyed at me jostling past them, and I could feel a panic attack coming on. So, with no good option, I just chose a direction and started shoving my way through. I broke out of the crowd, and then the song changed. Or at least, I think it did. Maybe I just started hearing it the right way or something. I don't really know. It's hard to describe. It was like it was the same song, but it had finally found the right frequency. The notes were no longer discordant. They were unified and sure of themselves. The song was odd, but now it was beautiful. I swallow at the memory and barely feel the inflammation ravaging my esophagus. That's when I realised its source was only a short way away from me. It was a woman, and she was sitting in the shadow of the theatre centre with some instrument I didn't recognise on her lap. She was bent over, playing intently, the music emanating away from her so strongly it felt like it was striking me. My legs were stuck, I I honestly couldn't move them, although at that point I don't know if I wanted to run away from the music or towards it. I just watched, rooted to the spot, and listened as the song built towards its crescendo. The woman's hands were a blur. I remember seeing sweat drop from her onto the keys. The music swelled and crested, and I felt something inside me rise with it. Then, as the song hit its peak, I felt it like flow into me. I know how weird that sounds, but then I dropped to the ground and I think I must have blacked out for a moment because when I opened my eyes, a group of people were around me. The woman was gone, her and her instrument. I asked people if they'd seen where she'd gone, but they didn't know what I was talking about. They helped me up, and I told them I was fine, although I could already feel the song worming inside me somehow. I was scared, so I just went home and slept. The next day, I woke up to a fever and the song playing under my skin. They stare at me, still silent. And here we are, I finish lamely. Wow, Sebastian says. His eyes are wide. It was a ghost. It has to be. It wasn't a ghost, Hannah says. He turns his large frame towards her, indignation clear on his face. Of course it was! Sorry, he's very superstitious, Hannah says to me, ignoring Sebastian. I choose to believe in things that are real. I get the sense this is a conversation they've had before. Are you okay? She asks me. I nod. Good. Let's get into it. What kind of instrument was it? You said it had keys? It. Was a ghost!' Sebastian bellows, still unsure how we could be ignoring such an obvious solution. "'Look, even if it is a ghost,' Hannah says to Sebastian, her tone sharp. "'Which it is. Isn't. But even if it is, don't you think we should still find out all the details?' Sebastian thinks, then nods his acquiescence with a small, "'I suppose.' "'Good,' Hannah says, then turns her attention back towards me. "'Tell us about the instrument, love.' "'Um... Well, it kind of looked like a keyboard, but a really old one, and with a backing on the right-hand side and behind the keys, I say, and look from one to the other, unsure who to address. Sounds like a clever cord, Sebastian says. I don't have one here, but give me a second. He takes out his phone and starts to prod at it. He gives a satisfied smile and turns the screen of the phone towards me. On it is the same instrument as the one that infected me. I nod slowly, then look at them. That's it although the wooden casing was a little darker and had this twisting rose and thorn design inlaid into it. Sebastian pulls his phone back and resumes typing at it with a focused fervour. Okay, good. Now we know what the instrument was, let's talk about the woman. What did she look like? How old was she? Hannah asks. Honestly, I don't really know. She had dark hair, but beyond that, with her being in the shadows and bent over the instrument, I couldn't see much else. Ghost! Sebastian announces without looking up from his phone. Hannah rolls her eyes. Sorry, I said, Hannah. I wasn't really in the frame of mind to remember things. I'm kind of useless when I'm panicking. The words come out of my mouth and I'm surprised by them. I'm not usually one to talk to strangers this much, let alone mention my panic attacks. Twice. I feel my face flush. Hannah reaches out an arm and places it on mine. You have nothing to be embarrassed about, and you definitely didn't need to apologise, alright? Alright, I say, and just manage to stop myself saying sorry again. Great, Hannah says Well, you've given us a good starting point I think we should call it a day We can do some more research She gives a nod towards Sebastian And you should get some rest Let's not forget, you're still sick I smile a thank you at her Come back tomorrow No doubt I'll have some more questions for you then We all rise As they see me to the door I look across at the Steinway Its keys gleam in a way That makes me want to lay my fingers upon them Then I feel the song twitch under my skin Feel my throat burn And I hurry for the door so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just
0: $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: How are you feeling? My dad asked from the lounge room as I stepped through the front door. His eyes shined behind his glasses. Mom always said she loved his shining eyes. I'm okay. The light tumbles easily past my burning throat. You saw your doctor's friend? He asks. The specialist? I haven't told him the story of the song. This is for some good reasons. One, I don't want him to worry. And two, he'd probably want me to see a psychiatrist, which he is. So it'll mostly just be a lot more talking. And I've talked enough for one day. I did. He was nice. Didn't add much. I'm going to see him tomorrow. I say without pausing, quickly walking down the hallway towards my room. I'm just going to lie down for a while, I call out before closing my bedroom door. I take a deep breath as the latch clicks. Alone. Alone in the room I've held for the past 28 years. If I was going to call any place a sanctuary, it would be the inside of these four walls. I smile, feeling at peace for the first time that day. Then I swallow and grimace as the taste in my throat reminds me I'm not alone, but the song is still with me always with me. Not only is it present, but I can feel with a sinking feeling that it's building again, preparing to play. I push aside the sensation and instead get angry, angry at its unwelcome arrival and all the things it's doing to me. I'm sick of being unable to swallow without wincing. I'm sick of the constant fever that coats my skin. I'm sick of being infected with something I do not understand. I'm sick of being sick. I lie down on my bed and I'm determined to not let the song play. It's my body, and it's under my control, and I will not let it take me over. This song may have wormed its way into me like a parasite, but it's still my body. I close my eyes and concentrate on subduing the rising malady taking place under my skin. The first note strikes out, but before it finishes its ghastly ringing, I squeeze my eyes closed hard and focus all my energy on stopping it. I feel it mute. Silence. I nearly laugh. I'm not even sure what I did, but... I did it. Then the first note plays again, striking out louder and stronger, and my laugh catches in my throat. I look down at my arm and see my skin vibrate with its angry resonance. The second note, one with more bass, follows it, equally as strong, and the waveforms play out across my skin. A steely resolve enters me, and I shut my eyes hard against the sight, and once more compress my will into stopping the unnatural playing. The music dulls but continues somewhere inside of me, desperate to get out. I concentrate harder, repeating to myself and to the song that this is my body and it cannot have it. Sweat breaks out of my forehead and I feel a similar pull under my arms and knees. I refuse to give in. Soon my clothes are drenched in sweat but I maintain my focus and keep the song trapped under the dome of my resolve. The room rolls around me. Nausea strikes. My hands scrunch into fists that hold tight to the bedclothes. I fight back the urge to let go, fight back against the tightening in my chest, but a seed of doubt has crept in, and I'm starting to think that I'm not strong enough. I feel as if I'm caught in a vortex, as if my bed is adrift in space, spinning around and around. My ears block, and the nausea rises, and something bubbles up in my throat. It builds, choking me. My head pounds in time with the song's beat, and I can't hold it back anymore. I open my mouth, my stomach contracts, and the thing in my throat comes bubbling out. It starts as a cough, violent and wet, but quickly transforms into a convulsing, mind-clearing stream of vomit. As I lean over the bed, horrible waste streaming out of me, I lose the battle, and the song plays. By the time it's done, tears stream down my face, and there is a pool of stinking liquid beside my bed. I am defeated. I knock on the heavy steel door again, and it swings aside immediately, as if the receiver were waiting behind it. The opener of the door is not the Slavic bear I was expecting, or even his wife. It is a doctor. My doctor. H- Hello? I stumble out, unprepared for her appearance. Hello, she says cheerfully. I hope you don't mind me being here. I called Sebastian yesterday to see how it went, and he told me you are coming back today, and, and, well, I haven't been able to get your case out of my head. I almost say, I haven't been able to get you out of my head, but thankfully something inside cuts me off, and instead I say, I haven't been able to get it out of my head either. She gives a small snort of laughter. <laughs> no, I suppose you wouldn't. How are you feeling? Much the same, I tell her, not wanting to talk about it the night before. I can feel the song waiting. Well, come in. They're both down the back. Thank you, I start, and then realize I don't actually know her name. In my mind, I had her labeled simply as my doctor. Larissa, she says, sensing my hesitation. My face feels hot and not from the fever. Sorry, Larissa, I say, then hurry inside, feeling like the idiot I am. I pass the explosion of instruments that litter the room, my eyes only briefly falling on the Steinway, and make my way to the back. Maruljila, are you alright? Hannah asks, as she sees me. Yes, I say, sitting. Then I mumble out, rough night. She nods and gets right down to business. Has the music played at all today? Sebastian enters behind her and gives me a wave accompanied by his big viking grin. I wave back and find his grin as infectious as the song, and I am equally as unable to deny it. A small smile appears on my face. Larissa sits down beside me. She seems intent on my answer too. No, not today, I say, then shudder again at the memory of last night as a wave of nausea washes over me. Larissa sees it and feels my forehead. Oh wow, you're really hot. It's gotten worse, hasn't it? She asks. I reluctantly nod. I feel dizzy and sweaty. I wish Larissa didn't have to see me like this, even if she is my doctor. Her hand on my forehead, however, feels exactly as cooling and soft as I'd hoped. My eyes find hers, and the worry and care present on her face makes it all worth it for a moment. We should probably make this quick, she says to the pair. She needs rest. Okay, well, let us tell you what we've found, Hannah says then letting Sebastian take over in the choreographed way all long-term couples seem to have mastered. I did more research, searched all the instrument databases I could, and only found one record of a clavichord that had a rose and thorn pattern embossed on it. I found plenty with other patterns, though. Some of them were amazing. One from France, known as the La Pinte, had this gorgeous harbour scene painted on the inside of the lid, and another one, hannahs elbow forcefully makes its way into his ribs. Right, stay on topic. So, your clavichord. If it is the same one, came from an Iberian peninsula and dates back to the 18th century. Cool, right? Of course, there may be others with similar patterns that were never recorded, but this one could be it. Do you have a photo? I ask. No, just the description. I also don't know where it is. The records have it travelled from Spain to Germany and then to England, but it gets lost after that. The last note says it was placed on a boat, but what that boat was called or where it was heading, I have no idea, I'm afraid. I realise what he's saying. No way to contact its current owner, whoever she was. My turn, Hannah says. I want to know more about this song. Specifically, what song is it? I panic a little, not knowing how to answer her. Sorry, I say, I don't know it. Please, don't apologise. I didn't think you did, otherwise I'm sure you would have mentioned it. Do you think you could play it, though? The music strums to the surface. Its alien beat begins to play out along my skin. I waver and nearly fall out of my seat as heat rocks across my body. My head rolls and I hold it between my hands to try and still it. I get the sickening idea that the song likes this idea, then get a chill of fear down my spine at the thought of the song being conscious and able to hear our conversation. The chill is washed out with even more heat, and I'm worried I'm going to throw up in front of everyone. When the song finishes, I look up from my hands to three worried faces. Sebastian hands me a drink of water, and I gulp a few quick mouthfuls. Well, we won't make you play it then. Hannah says in reply to her unanswered question. "'I did have another idea, though.' "'Oh, good,' I say, relieved that the song won't have the chance to play again. "'Not really,' Hannah says. (laughs) I sit on a chair surrounded by instruments. Larissa sits beside me while Hannah and Sebastian set up the equipment. "'What did you say was called again?' I ask. I'm nervous. I ask a lot of questions when I'm nervous, which, for someone as introverted as I am, only makes me more nervous— Still, conversation as a distraction is preferable at this point A vibrometer, Hannah says Indicating towards a small handheld device Which has something like a small metal microphone attached to it Right, I say And why do you have one? Well, this one belongs to a mechanic friend of ours Who usually uses it to measure how much car engines are vibrating inside their bearings She places the metal sensor onto my arm It's cold and causes me to inhale sharply But I'm hoping it'll measure your song Sorry about the cold, love She straps the sensor down with some tape and looks over at Sebastian. How you going, dear? Good. I think we're just about ready, he says. The vibrometer goes from my arm to the laptop Sebastian has set up. So, how does it all work? I ask. If the song runs through your skin the way you've described, Sebastian says, then we're hoping the vibrometer will be able to pick it up. If it does, and I've set this up correctly, then a program on my computer will be able to transform the waveforms from the vibrometer into sound. That's... Genius, I say, genuinely amazed She's a smart one, Sebastian says, giving his wife a kiss on the head Yes, well, don't praise us too quickly, love, Hannah says to me Like I said, you'll have to let the song through My nervousness spikes once more Right, I say My chest tightens and a racking cough squeezes at my throat Okay, no time like the present, Hannah says Larissa takes my hand and I'm not sure if it increases or decreases my already thudding pulse. I look around at them, three people, three strangers who heard my crazy story and chose to help. I close my eyes and let the song through. It's not hard. I can feel it just under the surface and all it takes is for me to lower the small barrier I didn't even really realise I was holding against it. It rises and plays. The notes beat out inside of me, except this time they're calmer, more melodic. I can feel it play over my skin, but it's a warm fuzz of movement, rather than the now familiar searing heat. My head stays clear, and even my throat seems to ease. The song plays out, and I'm fine, barely sweating. It's done, I say to them, and I see a look of consternation pass across Sebastian's face as he studies the laptop screen. He shakes his head. Sorry. He says. He picked up some readings, but nothing strong enough to give clear waveforms. I'm afraid it didn't work. The others give a look of disappointment, and I find myself more upset for them than for myself. Well, we'll just have to try something else, Anna says, rising from her chair. She moves to free me from the equipment. Wait, I say, determined but filled with dread. I think I know a way to make the song louder. A wave of surprise washes through the room. Really? Larissa asks. I didn't know you had that kind of control over it. It's less control and more a side effect to resistance, I tell them. Except, I pause. I'll probably need a bucket. Hannah moves off to find a bucket, and Sebastian sets up the computer to try again. Are you alright? Larissa asks me, and I realise then that she hasn't let go of my hand. I am, I say, daring to smile at her. When you say resistance, what do you mean? She asks. I think about how to answer, not wanting to tell her too much about last night, then realise she's about to see an encore performance. If I fight it, try not to let the song play, it becomes more forceful, and I feel a lot worse. Interesting, she says. She lets go of my hand and raises her own to her face, thinking. I can almost see the doctor gears turn inside her head. Larissa is about to ask me another question, but is interrupted as Hannah enters with a steel bucket. Don't mind the dirt in the base. She says as she sets it in front of me. It had a plant in it until a minute ago. It won't be a problem. I all but whisper. It's about to be filled with something much worse. I'm already regretting eating breakfast. I look towards Sebastian. Do you need to be in the room for the computer to record? No, I can just set it. You'll just need to click the spacebar once it's done, he says. Great. Um, Well, if that's the case, would everyone mind leaving the room for this one? It might get messy and I prefer you all didn't see. My eyes flick towards Larissa. They all agree and give words of encouragement. Hannah and Larissa move into the other room. Sebastian clicks the last button, then turns to me and nods, a comforting smile present on his face. Thank you, I say, before he follows the others out and closes the door. I'm alone again, just me and the song. It immediately surfaces, seeming to know the situation. I bite my lip and force it back down. The nausea begins. The heat of my heartbeat pounds at my temples. I press my will against it with everything I have, determined for this to work, determined not to have to try this again. I let a deep anger swell and try to push the song away from me, but the only way I can push is inwards. Still, it becomes small, and for a moment, I worry I might have fought too well. My worry is in vain. The song flares against my defences and a wave of inertia rolls over me. The room whirlwinds and I taste bile. I know what comes next. I feel a cry come out of my suddenly burning throat as I give one final charge of defiance, one last desperate attempt to stop its sound, and then the song charges back, and I cling to the steel bucket like a life raft as my stomach empties into it over and over. My skin begins to pulse in time to the beat of the song. Once my retching is done, I rise and click the spacebar on the laptop. I'm not familiar with the program, but from the look of the violent red waves on the screen- I suspect we've succeeded. The song may have just played the soundtrack to its own demise. Thanks for listening to this month's short tale. I hope you enjoyed it. As you may have noticed, this story is incomplete. You probably also noticed the part one in the title. So I'll save my usual afterthoughts for the next month when I release the second and final part of this story. So for now, those are all my thoughts. But if you have any you'd like to share, please do. You can write to me at shorttales.podcast at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at MiddayPajamas. And while this podcast will always be free, if you'd like to throw a few extra dollars my way, you can do so by visiting code- ficom forward slash Damien rob, Or you can find all of the appropriate links in the episode show notes. Until next time, this has been Short Tales and I've been Damien Rob.